Welcome to the St. Mary AME Church Weekly Podcast. I'm the Reverend James T. Taylor. We're located at 600 South Salem Street in Apex, North Carolina. Come go with us as we gather strength and direction from the Word of God.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Your life in us brings stillness to our turmoil. Your life in us brings clarity to our confusion. Your life in us brings wisdom to our worries. Your life in us brings contentment to our striving. Your life in us brings gentleness to our anger. Your life in us brings patience to our panic. Your life in us brings hope to our suffering. Your life in us brings faith to our frustration. Your life in us brings such heavenly treasure into our hearts and enable us to navigate a peaceful path. In you, we find our strength for our journey. And we build our lives on the solid rock which is your son, Jesus the Christ. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray, amen. Our scripture lesson today will come from Matthew the 16th, chapter the 13th, verse through the 17th. And it reads like this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. It will, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Today's scripture lesson will be entitled, Upon This Solid Rock. This story takes place in Caesarea Philippi. Jesus knew his time on earth was getting close to the end, so he wanted to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with his disciples. He wanted to talk to them straight, so he went about 25 miles northeast of the Sea of Galilee so he could get out of the Jewish region where they were plotting to kill him. And he went up to Caesarea Philippi, where there were few Jews. There would be less pressure, and there he could have a little time with his disciples. Jesus wanted to make sure that everyone understood who he was. He wanted to make sure that, that when he left, they would understand all about his ministry. So in this heart-to-heart -heart talk, that Jesus is preparing to have with his disciples, the whole plan of salvation is at stake. The gospel message, the good news of his coming, is on the line. He has to make sure they understand. So, let us look at the text. The first thing Jesus asks his disciples is, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Let's stop right there for a minute because there is something right here that's really important. 
See, he waited until he got to Caesarea Philippi. And the reason he did this is because of all the religions around there. This area was probably the most mixed religiously part of the country. When Jesus asked the questions, who do you think I am? There was at least 14 temples or places of worship for God, the God of Baal within about five to six mile radius. And so they were passing all these other places of worship. Behind in the cliffs was the Greek god Pan, who many of the people came to worship. In front of, who, of them, there was a temple built for Caesar, and we all know what the people had to do every year. Come and bow down and say, Caesar is Lord. So in the middle of all these different religions and so-called worship places, Jesus take his core group of people aside and ask them a very important question. Who do you say that I am? And Peter understood the question. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And every one of the gospels talk about the word Christ. Christ and Messiah are the same. Obviously, one is Hebrew and one is Greek, but both mean the same. It means the anointed one. In other words, when Peter looked at Jesus, he said, we want you to know that we know that you are the anointed one. You're not one of the prophets. You're not Jeremiah. You're not Elijah. You're not just an incredible person in the religious life of these people that you minister to. You are the anointed one. Jesus is established as the one true Lord, the only Lord, the Messiah, the Christ. He is it. The most important, most crucial foundation to us. Jesus is Lord. Once that is established and rooted, then we can carry on. You and all of you need to know Jesus is Lord in my life. He needs to be Lord in your life. Jesus is Lord of this church. This church would not exist if he had not come from his hand. Now I'm going to let that thought sit there for a few moments before we move on. Once Jesus is firmly established as Lord, look what Jesus does next. Next, he acknowledges Peter. Only when we first acknowledge Jesus as Lord can God acknowledge us. And he looks at Peter and he says to him, you are blessed. When we are blessed, when we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, that's the only hope for blessing in our church. Now hear me and hear me good. I said the only way this church is blessed is that we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Getting more people in the church will make us a blessed church. Getting more money in the church will make us a blessed church. Getting our budget balance will make us a blessed church. Singing more hymns, uh, singing more Spiritual songs and chanting choruses, lifting our hands and worshiping, clapping and running and singing and dancing will not make us a blessed church. When we are a blessed church, 
is when we acknowledge who Jesus Christ is. We want to be a blessed church. We want to have blessings poured down from heaven as we acknowledge Jesus as our Lord. Once that's done, the blessings come and the church grows. What does Jesus say? He said, blessed are you, Simon, and from now on you will be Peter, meaning rock. On this rock, I build my church, and all the powers of hell will not prevail against this. Now, why did Jesus talk like this about the power of hell? Because Jesus knew. Jesus knew that his disciples, his core group of believers, would be up against the powers of hell. Not only was Jesus about to face death and hell and the grave, he knew he was going to conquer those and he knew the power of hell would be unleashed in a fury such as the culture had never seen before because of his death and resurrection. So he was telling his disciples, don't be discouraged. The rock, the solid rock, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Oh, they're dry. They'll come to you. Hell is going to be unleashed upon you. But remember, disciples, remember, even the very gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of God. And, and why did Jesus use the analogy of the gates of hell? Why not all of hell? Why did he say Satan will not prevail against it? The gates biblically represent power and authority. The gates of the city is always where the council sit. That's where the elders sit. That's, that's where contra contracts were translated. It is where the wisdom of the cities were gathered. And Jesus says, I want you to know the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against my church. And all of hell's wisdom and all of hell's best contracts and all of its best demons, hear me now, will not prevail against the church of the living God. Now, the gates, of course, were the weakest part. That's why they got attacked. They wouldn't attack the wall. They attacked the gates. And, G and Jesus gives a beautiful picture here of the church being on the church that is sitting not passively, but sitting actively. He gives us a picture of a church that is moving and confident and one that is yelling together, charge. Jesus is saying that he is not passive, but aggressive, moving, confident, because this is his church. Now listen to this. Jesus did not say Peter will build the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus said, I want you to know it's my church. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It becomes very easy to me every day because as we know that we should love the Lord. As much as it is natural for me to refer to you as my people, as much as I love being your pastor and working through some of the terrible struggles St. Mary has encountered, it is, it is not your church. It is not my church. It is his church. 
And every once in a while, Jesus gives us something like this church. He says, you can have it for a while. And as hard as it is to say sometimes, Jesus has to take our closed hand and force us to uncurl our fingers to let him in. Because this is his church. And he's not going to let anyone or anybody hold on to his church with a clenched fist. Just a couple more things and I'm done. In verses 18 and 19, it says, Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys to heaven. And, and he said, whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven. Whatever you open on earth will be open in heaven. There's some confusion on these words of Jesus. Jesus isn't saying he's going to found the church on Peter. Jesus is the only foundation for the church. Jesus is saying, Peter, you are the first member of this church that I'm going to build. You take the keys, unlock the doors and let the people in. See, we use keys to open doors. And, and Peter was given the privilege of opening the doors of faith to the Jews. And it's then it says, bind means you can forbid and loose means you can permit. This is another area of confusion. Jesus wasn't telling Peter he got control who goes to heaven. The actual translation of that verse says, and whatever you bind on earth, forbid to be done, shall have been done already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, permit to be done, shall have already been loosed in heaven. Jesus did not say that God in heaven would obey what was happening here on earth. He was saying that they should do on earth whatever God had already willed. The church is not here to get man's will done in heaven. The church is here to get God's will done on earth. I don't think it could have been more than 30 seconds later after this wonderful interaction between Peter and Jesus that, that Satan jumps up. Uh, and, and Jesus Begin to tell Peter, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. Why was Jesus so strong with Peter? Peter was trying to do to Jesus what Satan tried to do at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. The devil came to Jesus in the wilderness right after Jesus was baptized and tried to appeal to him to go another way to get followers, except through the cross. He tried to appeal to him through popularity. He tried to appeal through him through financial gain. He tried to appeal to him through every way but the cross. And Peter was doing the same thing. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. He was saying, Peter, your place is behind me and not in front of me. It's your place to follow me in the way that I choose. It's not your place to try to lead me in the way in which you would like me to go. Peter, quit trying to tell me what to do. You follow and I will lead. And I submit to you today. We all love the Lord. His grace and his mercy overshadows us. And that is how we are blessed. I'm not willing to lead you based on popularity. I'm not willing to lead you based on more financial support. I'm not willing to lead you based on membership drive, which simply brings in more people.
I am willing and determined to lead you based on one truth and one truth only is that Jesus is Lord. Then we will be a blessed church even the more. Then we will be a highly blessed church. Then and only then will the Lord build this church and even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Because then and only then uh, what we bind on earth will be already have been bound in heaven and what we lose on earth in our communities, uh, in our nation will already be loosed in heaven. I'm giving you my heart today. I pray your heart has received this message. I can tell you something. The best days of this church are ahead. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A pandemic can't stop the move of God. A virus, hallelujah, cannot stop the move of God. Nothing can stop the move of God because he has already said, I will build my church and the, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. All we have to do is stand and acknowledge who Jesus is. It reminds me of an illustration of, 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 of geese. When geese fly together, each geese provides additional lift and reduces the resistance from the other geese flying behind. Consequently, they can fly 70% farther. And what I'm saying is that when people work together, sharing common values and common destination, they are able to arrive at the destination quicker and easier because they are lifted up by the energy and enthusiasm of one another. Another thing I noticed about geese and, and flying birds is that they fly in a V formation. It's quickly discovered that it requires a great deal more effort and energy. And, and the, the head bird, the head geese takes the beating. However, like the geese, they usually discover that they miss the energy if they decide to fly all by themselves. So they come back into the fold. And geese rotates leadership. When geese fly in the front of formation, he has to expend a lot of energy and, and he breaks the floor of the air that provides the, the lift for the, all the other geese. Consequently, when the lead geese gets tired, it drops out of the front position and moves to the rear of the formation where the resistance is lighter and another geese moves to the leadership position. This position happens many times in the course of their long travel. <laughs> what you're saying, preacher? Consequently, on good, on good teams, everyone has the opportunity to serve as a leader as well as a follower. And this is what I like about geese also. Ge geese honk at each other. They are frequently making honking noises as they fly. Uh, the church should have some hallelujahs and some thank you, Jesus. Uh, the church should be saying, you can do this. The, ch the church be saying to one another that it is because of God in us that we are here. We need to encourage one another. 
We need to let everybody know that we, we and everybody else is special in the sight of God. We have to have adequate communication. Time is out for folks saying, uh, you know what I mean. We got to speak it into existence and, and let somebody know that you love them. Let somebody know that you care for them. Let somebody know that you're there for them. The next thing the geese does is the geese help each other. Geese, as they're flying and one gets ill, a couple of other geese will fall back to the one that has gotten ill or gotten injured. They will stay with one another. Oh, hallelujah. Either t- while the, the geese gets well or the geese dies. I'm here to tell you, church, that when we get weak, we need to stand by one another. We need to let the world know that for God I live and for God I die. And that when one of us become weak and we know that the chain is no stronger than the weakest link, uh, we should not let one another fall by the wayside. We need to tell our brothers and sisters, I'm here with you. I'm here with you because the God in me has been keeping me for a time like this. Uh, I want to let you know that God is still in the blessing business uh, and I will not forsake you and I will not leave you uh, uh, because God has told me that that is part of my Christian uh, fellowship with my believers that I need to walk with one another and we need to let the world know you're determined to go all the way on Christ the solid rock we stand and all of the ground is seeking sin. I learned a long time ago, there's a lot of seeking sin. But on Christ, huh, the solid rock, there's no seeking sin. Let us continue to walk together, to love together, to, to pray with one another, to be in contact with one another as we encourage one another. It builds the body of Christ. I trust and believe that something has been said to encourage your heart to bring you closer to Christ. May this word of encouragement and direction sit well with your heart that you have something to think about and to pray about and to meditate as you move forward during the week.